Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So today, on the Sunday where we are celebrating and remembering the, the Lutheran Reformation, uh, we look to our Old Testament text of Daniel in the lion's den, uh, a well-known, well-loved story that uh, pretty much every single Sunday schooler in here could, could tell you about. It's a story of, of God's mercy and his protection in the face of, of certain death. Uh, today we're going to focus on what led up to Daniel going into the lion's den. How did he get himself in this situation where he is being thrown into a den filled with hungry lions? Uh, we'll talk about what God wants us to take from this account and apply to our own lives. Uh, how all of this fits into the Reformation and, and what God wants us to, to, to live with. Uh, we'll learn how in every single generation, every single culture, every society... How when we live with a faith that is founded on the, the grace, the mercy, the, 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 the truth of God's word, that that faith is an uncompromising faith. So let's read our text here from Daniel chapter 6, starting with verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went to his house. It had windows on its upper story that opened toward Jerusalem. Three times each day he would get on his knees and pray and offer praise before his God. He continued to do that just as he had been doing before this. Then these men came as a group and found Daniel praying and seeking favor from his God. Then they went and they asked the king about the decree. Your majesty, did you not sign a decree that anyone who prays to any god or person for 30 days except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the den of lions? The king answered, Indeed, I did. The order is established as a law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then the king gave the order, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the pit. The king sealed it with his signet ring and the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing could be changed with regard to Daniel's situation. And the king went to his palace. He spent the night without food, and no entertainment was brought before him, but he could not sleep. At dawn, the king arose as soon as it was light, and, he, and hurried to the lion's den. As he came near the pit, he cried out in a fearful voice. The king said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve continually, able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. Your majesty, may you live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because he found me innocent in his presence. Also before you, your majesty, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very glad and said that Daniel should be brought up from the pit. So Daniel was brought up from the pit and he was unharmed because he trusted in his God. Dear Heavenly Father, these words are yours and so we know that they are the truth. We ask that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. So as you're well aware, it is Reformation Sunday. And the point of Reformation Sunday each year as we remember what happened through Martin Luther is not to, not to elevate the man, not to praise Martin Luther himself, but to thank God for what he accomplished through the life of Martin Luther. Uh, the point is to go back to our, our roots, to go back to the foundation, to go back to the, the basic teachings of God's Word. What is the most important thing that we can possibly know from what Scripture teaches us? 
Martin Luther, he was a, a monk in Germany in the 1500s, and he, he was studying God's Word. He's reading Scripture, and he started to realize that, that what he's reading here is not lining up with what he is hearing from the Christian church. The Bible is not lining up with what the Christian church is, is teaching at the time. And, and as he continues to study this, it starts to, to eat at his conscience, and he, he decides that he can't keep quiet. He cannot stay silent. He has to tell people what he's reading. He has to tell people that, that it's not works. It's, it's not how well we are behaved. It's not how, how well we uh, abide by God's law that, that we're saved. It's not by anything that we do. It's because of Jesus. It's because of his obedience, his life, and his death. That's how salvation comes to us. He's finding that in God's word, it's not up to our goodness. It's, it's God's undeserved love. It's Jesus' goodness in our place. That's how we receive forgiveness and salvation. And so he, he feels compelled to tell people that what Jesus won becomes ours through this wonderful gift of faith. And he knows that, that when it comes to the truth of God's word, we can't compromise. Right? We, can't, we can't give and take. We can't say, I like what God's word says here, but I'm going to ignore what it says over here because this is our one source of absolute truth. It is the word of God. And he knows and he understood that if we walk away from this, if we start leaving bits and pieces over here and accepting these portions and filling in our own thoughts and ideas, that what we are believing is, is a lie. Now it's not a stretch as we think about Luther's situation in, in Daniel's to see some, some similarities here. Luther was being pushed by the Christian church at the time to, to compromise. Right? Live, live with the lie. Yes, it doesn't line up perfectly. What God's Word says and what the church is, is teaching don't mesh totally. But if you go against the church, think about how much history you're going against. Think about how much tradition you're going against. He's being pressured to, to compromise on the truth in order to, to, to be obedient to that tradition. Just compromise just a little bit and keep the peace. Daniel's situation is, is a similar one. He's being tempted by extremely powerful people to compromise on the truth i remember who daniel is he's he's an israelite he's a jew but when he was a young man the babylonians came in and they overpowered the israelites and they they carried off back to babylon the the some of the brightest and the best daniel was one of those and so as one of the brightest and the best he's he's given a task to serve in the the government of Babylon and he does well he's very smart he's wise he's a faithful worker and so now as we read here in our text Daniel's much older and he's one of three primary rulers in the entire nation so it's the king and then three rulers underneath the king who are in charge of of everything and Daniel is the best one of these three of course this this angers the other leaders this angers everyone else they don't like that that Daniel's favored and so they want they want him gone so they draft a law that would, that would make it so that Daniel would have to disobey this law. A law that Daniel has to break because of his faith. And they make it so that the, the punishment for that law is death. And it's a strange law. They go to the king and they say, let's make a law that no one can pray to anyone except for you for 30 days, for one month. But it, it elevates the king to almost godlike status. It feeds his ego, so, so he passes it. So Daniel hears about this and now he has a choice, right? He can compromise in his faith in the, in the way that he lives or he can die. 
He can stop praying, he can stop worshiping his God, or he can live. He can compromise and skip church for a few weeks or, or be killed. Now if I put myself in that situation, if I imagine my choice in this scenario, it's a, it's a pretty condemning thing. As I think about what my choice would be, how would I, how would I act in this situation if I'm faced with death rather than, than praying out loud to my God? Now we said Daniel has a choice, but it doesn't seem like it's a very difficult one. Our text says, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went to his house. It had windows on its upper story that opened toward Jerusalem. Three times each day, he would get on his knees and pray and offer praise before his God. He continued to do that just as he had been doing before. And notice how Daniel responds perfectly. He's not full of anger and and rage and malice and revenge towards the king. He doesn't burst into his chambers. He doesn't uh, seek to to attack those who created this, this terrible law, these evil schemers who are trying to take him down. He doesn't cower in fear either. He doesn't compromise in any aspect of his faith or how his life is based on his faith. He got on his knees and offered praise before his God just as he had been doing before this. His faith has been his motivation, his comfort, his foundation for his entire life. And it's not going to change. He's not going to compromise his faith. And Daniel wasn't doing this based on on some kind of divine revelation that that God would save him. Not physically at least. We get this idea in our heads when it comes to guys like Daniel or, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three men in the fiery furnace. That they got a, a secret message, right? We see this, this opportunity, this challenge before them. Either follow this unjust law or be killed for your faith. We think they, there had to have been some kind of revelation that God was going to step in at the last minute and preserve their life. But that's not exactly true. Because we read throughout Scripture that there are many situations where there are people proclaiming the truth of God's Word who are living lives of uncompromising faith who die. They are put to death for proclaiming the truth. Whether it be prophets or John the Baptist or the Apostle Paul, the list goes on and on and on. So it's not that Daniel knows that his life would be spared. It's that Daniel knows that even if it wasn't, even if he's put to death for his faith, that he would be safe because of the faithfulness of his God. Either God would shut the mouth of these lions as he's thrown into this pit, or he would be in heaven with his God forever. As I said, as we think about people like like Daniel or or John the Baptist, the, the three men in the fiery furnace, there's some law preached in these stories. Because we, re- we read these stories and part of the, the application is reflection. And we look at their faith, we look at what it moved them to do, how their faith was uncompromising, and then we look at our own lives and think about the ways that we are tempted to compromise. It's, it's government pressure that's tempting Daniel to compromise and how he is living out his life of faith. Where in our life is that pressure coming for us to compromise when it comes to God's word, when it comes to living our life based on that truth? Maybe it's work. You want to fit in with the people that you work with five days a week. You want your boss to see you in a good light, and so you you are tempted to compromise and not let your faith be seen in your workplace. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's preserving comfort or convenience in your life. Maybe it's just fitting in with the world. 
Maybe like Daniel, you're tempted to compromise when it comes to prayer. And we think, I, I know prayer is important. I know that prayer should be a priority in my life. I know that, that prayer is this wonderful act of worship where I speak to God from the heart, that it's a privilege. But I'm so busy. There's so many things that I have to do. There are so many things that are, are screaming for my attention, and so often I just, I just forget. And when we go to Culver's after church for lunch on Sunday, and our, our family's sitting around the table, and if we fold our hands and bow our heads and pray out loud, it looks kind of weird. And so maybe we're tempted to compromise when it comes to our, our prayer life because it, it just isn't convenient. Or maybe we're tempted to compromise when it comes to money. We, we know the truth of God's word, that all things belong to him, that he is the one who provides for us everything that we need for our life, including our, our means of making a living. We know that he has given us this, this, this incredible blessing to be a blessing to other people, that he has asked us to return a portion of our income to him. But have you seen how expensive everything's getting? Like everything is becoming more and more costly, and so I don't want to compromise the way that I live. I don't want to compromise in, in, in the things that I am enjoying in my life. And so if something is, is going to be compromised, it's going to be offering. I can, I can skip it for a few weeks. God won't mind. I can, I can reduce how much I'm giving to the Lord. I'm going to compromise a little bit because I want to emphasize my comfort. Are you tempted to compromise when it comes to morality? I know what God has declared to be sinful. I know what, what isn't, but society has changed, right? The world has changed. If I compromise in, in just a few places, I can be a Christian, but I can also still fit in. Right? I, can, I can be a, a child of God, I can have my faith, but I can, I can also live the life that I want to live. Do the things that I want to do. F find, do those things that, that make me happy. And this self-examination, when we, when we do this, when we look at our life and, and compare it to God's word, it, it hits home because it applies to every single sin. Right? We could go on and on and on, whether it be selfishness or gluttony or, or adultery. At its core, every temptation is a temptation to compromise. We look at, at people like Daniel and the three men in the fiery furnace and we, say, we see that, that they were not willing to compromise their faith when it came to death. It was a matter of life and death. And not even to spare their own life were they willing to compromise and say, okay, I'll just pray in my head for 30 days. We look at our lives and we look, see how we are, are, are unwilling to, to not compromise because of, of public embarrassment, convenience, mild, mild discomfort. And so we see our sin, we see uh, our, our failure despite our, our efforts to do what God wants us to do. We see our weaknesses despite how, how hard we want to uh, walk in the way of, of God's word and his way. And we repent. We confess our sins and we look to God again for restoration. And that is the, the heart and soul of everything that we're talking about today. This process of, of repentance and absolution of confession and forgiveness. Because, yeah, we, we see good examples in Scripture of, of people who did not compromise, and we think, how do I get better at this? How do I grow in my Christian life? It's not by looking inside. It's not by, by digging deep and just trying to be better. It's about going again and again to the Word of our God and to be reminded over and over again of what He has done for us. 
the promises, the grace that he has given to us. Right, that's the key for Daniel. That's the key for Martin Luther. That's the key for us. The point of, of this text is not the strength of Daniel. Right, the point is, is what does life look like when it is rooted in the reality of the grace and the forgiveness of our God? When you live your life knowing that you are safe in the arms of your God because of what Jesus has done for you, what does life look like? How does that impact the decisions that you make in this world? When we are faced with our sin and our failure, we look to Jesus and we see how uncompromising he was. Right? Throughout his earthly life on, on earth, he did not compromise for his, his popularity, for his convenience, for his comfort, not even once. He was in every way tempted exactly as we are and yet was without sin. And then he goes to the cross and he, he takes our punishment to offer us this peace and this forgiveness that he alone can provide. It's through the faith that he has given us that, that makes everything that he won ours. That peace and that forgiveness is yours. Through faith in Jesus, your sin is taken away. Every time we compromise, every time we give in, every time we, we walk away from the word and the will of our God, that sin has been forgiven. That's the most important thing in this world. Nothing is more valuable than knowing this, than, than having this forgiveness, because it means for us heaven. And it motivates, it motivates us to live an uncompromising life, because we know the prize. Right? We know what Jesus has won for us. We know what we receive when we die. We receive the crown of eternal life, the crown of glory. And so we look at the world and we realize that nothing is more important than that. Not even death can separate us from the love of God, which is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. So nothing in this world is worth compromising for. When we live our life based on this, with this as our rock-solid foundation, then things like comfort and convenience and reputation and money and promotions, all of these things take a backseat. When we look at our priority list, it is, it is our faith. It is God's word as number one. Because we know what has been won for us. We know what has been promised to us. We know that, that in all the world, that, that the truth, what is real, what is reality, is found in, in Scripture alone. And it is God's word that defines what is true. It's not about the truth that's in my heart or the truth that's in your heart, which differs from the, the truth in the heart of the guy down the street. It is God's word alone that declares what is real, what is true. And what God's word has declared is that we are saved by grace alone. It's not our effort. It's not our obedience. It's not our goodness. It is the undeserved love of God poured out on us because of Jesus, because of what he one for us. It's knowing that, that everything that Jesus won for us is made ours by faith alone. That's the power source. That's what connects us to Christ. That's what takes all of his victory and makes it our victory. That's what takes his righteousness and puts it on to us. So may our gracious God continue to hold us steadfast on this foundation, continue to strengthen us in an uncompromising faith through his word and sacraments. As we live here and now, knowing what is true for Daniel is true for us. That through our God, we are forgiven and we are safe. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what comes, we will be unharmed because we trust in our God. Amen. Please rise for the blessing.
The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.